Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to the award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old-school basketball to a new-school audience. Before we get into our story, I need to take time to introduce a new sponsor. Support for Basketball History 101 is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for all of your shaving needs. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Hygiene Package for the man in your life, the performance package. Help him join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code HISTORY101 at manscaped.com. I recently received my own shipment and I have to say that I love these grooming tools. When I took them out of the box, they just felt like they had a quality to them. They had a weight and were ergonomically designed which made them so comfortable to handle. They are just really well built and they are so comfortable on my skin when trimming. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped is the real deal. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is the future of trimming. I have used other trimmers in the past, but this one is the best I have ever used. And the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer was so unexpectedly comfortable, I would recommend it to anyone. The Performance Package also includes the Crop Reserver Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold it all together. Manscaped has thought of everything. It is the complete hygiene package. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce nicks and cuts with its skin safe technology. The trimmer also has a 400K LED spotlight to better see where you're going. Oh, and did I mention that all of their tools are waterproof? So it's time to take care of yourself or your man. So go to manscaped.com and get your 20% off and free shipping with code HISTORY101. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code HISTORY101. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And that brings us to today's episode, where we bring you the story of Dolph Shays, one of the great forwards in NBA history. What made Shays unique is that he straddled two different eras of the NBA. He went to four All-Star games prior to the shot clock entering the game, and then he went to eight All-Star games after the shot clock came into the league. You see, most stars had their prime either pre-shot clock or post-shot clock. There were not a whole lot of guys that were stars before the shot clock and then continued to dominate afterwards. Bob Cousy is one, and so is Bill Sharman. But when I think of pre-shot clock stars, I think of George Mikan, Jumpin' Joe Folks, Mag Zaslavsky. These guys were extremely effective in the slower version of the game before they had the shot clock. But once the shot clock came into the game for the 1954-1955 season, it really was a night and day switch. A whole new era of players came into the game like Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor. These were guys who could take advantage of the faster game. And Dolph Shays was one of those players 
who was effective in both eras. That is a testament to who he was as a player. Now let me just rattle off his accomplishments to give you an idea of just how good he was. He was a 12-time All-Star, a 12-time All-NBA selection. An All-NBA back then meant that you were declared to be one of the top 10 players in the entire league. He won that 12 times. He won the championship with the Syracuse Nationals in 1955. And he was also the rebounding champion in 1955. He was a three-time free throw percentage champion. He made the NBA's 50 greatest players list in 1996, and he made the NBA 75 list in 2021. He was also an Ironman. In his first 12 seasons in the league, he only missed three games. He once held the NBA record for most consecutive games played with 706. He was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 1973, and he even won the Coach of the Year Award in 1966 with the Philadelphia 76ers. He also scored the very first basket in the very first NBA All-Star Game. The list of honors and awards that Dolph Chase possesses would make 99% of players jealous. So let's go back to the beginning of his story. Dolph Shays was born on May 19, 1928 in the Bronx in New York City. He was born to Jewish parents Carl and Tina Shays. Carl was a truck driver and Tina was a homemaker. He attended DeWitt Clinton High School in the Bronx and led the team to the Bronx Borough Championship, and that put him on the radar of many local colleges and universities. At the time that he graduated high school in 1944, most of the great basketball colleges were in and around New York City. It really was the mecca of college basketball. Some of the best basketball programs in the country were schools like St. John's University, Manhattan University, Long Island University, City College of New York, New York University, and Fordham University. They all wanted Dolph Shays, and this was the thing that was really unusual about Shays. When he graduated high school, he was still only 15 years old. He chose and attended New York University, or NYU, and played as a 16-year-old freshman. And he led the team all the way to the NCAA championship game where they lost to Oklahoma A&M 49-45. Shays was as good as advertised, and he was still growing. By the time he played his final year at NYU, he was still only 19 years old, but had grown to his full height of 6 foot 8, or 203 centimeters. That was extremely tall for those days. His specialty was the outside shot, and Shays shot it two-handed. In fact, he was the last great two-handed shooter. Shays was as old school as it came, but for his day, he was decently accurate with a career shooting percentage of 38%. He graduated from NYU with a degree in aeronautical engineering. Again, he was 19 years old and he had a choice to make. He was drafted by the New York Knicks with the fourth pick in the draft in 1948, and he was also taken by the Tri-Cities Blackhawks of the National Basketball League, or NBL. And by the way, the Tri-Cities Blackhawks are today known as the Atlanta Hawks. Anyway, he had two different teams and two different leagues to choose from. The Blackhawks traded his rights to the Syracuse Nationals, also of the NBL. So it came down to a choice between the Knicks and the Nationals. Shays had the advantage in negotiations since he could play both teams off of each other. The Knicks offered him $5,000 for the season, but the Nationals offered him $7,500 for the season. So that made the decision pretty easy for Shays. He became a Syracuse National. He was ready to begin his rookie season in the NBL. Now this is a good place to take a break, and we'll be right back with the rest of the Dolph Shays story as he gets ready to enter professional basketball. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. 
You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of you unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876 including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows towels and even shower curtains go to sportshistorynetwork.com ROW number one for access to the full row one catalog and for gallery prints and gift items plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the row one pictorum gallery with coupon code SHN15 follow the link on the show notes Welcome back to the show, and let us continue with the story of Dolph Shays. He was just drafted into the NBA and the NBL, but chose the Syracuse Nationals of the NBL. He had an incredible rookie year and won the NBL's Rookie of the Year award. He was only 20 years old, which was very young for a player in his day. But he did finish his four years of college. His height and his outside shot were too much for most defenders. But in an interesting twist of fate, at the end of that first season, the Syracuse Nationals decided to switch leagues and join the NBA. So Dolph Shays became an NBA player anyway. He was a terror to guard. And he was not the fastest player out there, but he had incredible stamina and would just not stop moving. Most defenders would be absolutely exhausted trying to stay with Shays because he would not stop running around. He was constantly on the move and it seemed that Shays never got tired. He played between 35 and 40 minutes per night for most of his career, but it seemed that he never wore down until the last couple of years of his career. And he had to be careful about fouling him because he was so good at the line. Three times he led the NBA in free throw percentage. In 1957 and 1958, he shot free throws at a 90% clip. Fouling him was like just giving the Nationals two points because Shays was sure to knock him down. He also led the league in rebounding in 1951 as he manned the boards like few others with his height. It was also a good thing that he accomplished this feat before Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain joined the league because those two guys took rebounding to a whole new level. Everything aligned for him in the 1954-1955 season. First, the shot clock was invented by his own team's owner, Danny Biasone, and implemented into the game. That sped up the game tremendously because now teams only had 24 seconds to take a shot or else they would turn the ball over to the other team. The scoring around the league went from 83 points per game to 94 points per game in one season because of the shot clock. The new speed of the game played to the Nationals' advantage. They also had a very balanced roster that year. While Shays led the team with almost 19 points per game, they also had Paul Seymour for 15 points per game, Red Rocha with 11 points per game, and Earl Lloyd and Red Kerr with 10 points each per game. This was a team that could run and they were efficient, at least by 1955 standards. They tied the Fort Wayne Pistons for the best record in the league that year at 43 and 29. The league only had eight teams and six of them made the playoffs. But because they had the best record in the East, the Nationals got a bye into the second round where they played the Boston Celtics. This version of the Celtics was pre-Bill Russell. Bill Russell was still a junior at the University of San Francisco where he was leading his team to the NCAA championship. The Celtics did have Bill Sharman, Frank Ramsey, Ed McCauley, and Bob Cousy, all Hall of Famers, but they were no real match for the Nationals. The Nationals took care of the Celtics three games to one to secure their spot in the NBA Finals. 
In the finals, they matched up with the best team from the West, the Fort Wayne Pistons. This series was a tight one. It went the full seven games. That year, they played the 2-3-2 format, meaning that Syracuse would get the first two games and the last two games in Syracuse, while Fort Wayne got the middle three games in Indiana. The Pistons had Larry Faust, an eight-time All-Star, and George Yardley, a future Hall of Famer. The series was a close one. The largest margin of victory in any of the seven games was just seven points. Every game came down to the final minutes. Syracuse won the first two games at home by a score of 86 to 82 and 87 to 84, but now the series would shift to Fort Wayne, Indiana for three games. The Pistons held serve and won all three games in Indiana by seven points, seven points, and three points. The Pistons just needed to get one game in Syracuse and they would be the champions, but they call it home court advantage for a reason. Syracuse was able to win a crucial game six to stay alive in the finals. That tied the series at three games apiece. Game seven would prove to be one of the most exciting games ever played in the NBA Finals. There is some grainy footage out there of Game 7. When the score was tied at 91 points with around 15 seconds left in the clock, the Pistons missed a shot that could have won the game. The Nationals collected the rebound and got the ball into George King's hands. King got fouled while dribbling across half court, and back then it was just a one-shot foul since the ball handler was not in the act of shooting. George King stepped to the line and nailed the free throw for a 92-91 lead. The Pistons had no timeouts left, so they had to inbound the ball and had around 10 seconds to make a basket to win the championship. They inbounded the ball to Andy Phillip of the Pistons, who quickly made his way down court. And then George King came over to double team and was able to steal the ball. King took off dribbling and ran out the last couple of seconds off the clock, and the Nationals were the new NBA champions. It was a complete balanced effort on the part of the Nationals. They had seven players who all scored between 11 and 15 points. Their one-point victory secured the only championship while they were in Syracuse. The team would not win another championship until after they moved to Philadelphia and Will Chamberlain joined the team in 1967. Shays again had one of those incredible careers. He continued to play for 15 total seasons in the NBA, which was a Vince Carter type career in terms of length. Most players were lucky to play just 10 seasons. Because of the lack of knowledge around training and medical care and how to take care of one's body, most guys in the NBA back then wore their bodies down by the age of 30 or 31. But Shays played until he was 35 years old, which was considered ancient in those days. He was the first player in league history to score 15,000 career points. Today, over 140 players throughout the league's history have scored 15,000 or more points. But somebody had to be the first one, and that somebody was Dolph Shays. At the time that he retired, he was the all-time leader in games played with 996, the all-time leader in free throws attempted with 7,904, the all-time leader in free throws made with 6,712, and the all-time leader in personal fouls with 3,432. He was the number two all-time scorer behind Bob Pettit and was a number three all-time rebounder with 11,256. In the final season of his career, he moved with the team to Philadelphia to become the 76ers, and he was the player coach that year, but he only played in 24 games as his body had practically given out. He stayed on with the team for three more seasons as just the coach, but was fired at the end of the 1966 season as he did not get along with Will Chamberlain. And that was too bad because the 76ers then hired Alex Hannum as his replacement and they won the NBA championship in Hannum's first season on the job. His number four jersey is retired by the 76ers and it hangs in the rafters today. And once he left the NBA altogether, 
he returned to Syracuse where he made his home and became a successful real estate developer. He also left another legacy in his son, Danny Shays, who played 18 solid seasons in the NBA for seven different teams, but mostly for the Denver Nuggets and Milwaukee Bucks. Sadly, we lost Dolph Shays on December 10th, 2015 at the age of 87 due to cancer. But his legacy continues to live on with the NBA 75 list and also by the efforts of his son Danny, who works to make sure that none of us forget his dad, the great Dolph Shays. So thank you for stopping by to listen. Join us next time when we share the story of when I got a chance to rebound for Steve Nash. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman aka the football history dude and i wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the sports history network our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear and if you didn't know it already we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics in fact here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.